APRO, the National Trade Association for the Rent-to-Own Industry and the premier sponsor of their RTO show, is thrilled to announce that registration is now open for the biggest rent-to-own event of the year, RTO World 2024. Listen, join RTO industry colleagues and vendors at the Lowe's Universal Resorts in sunny Orlando, Florida from August 6th to the 8th for three amazing days of unparalleled networking, learning, and most importantly, fun. Hey, listen, the RTO World just isn't any convention. It is the national rent-to-own convention and trade show of the year, hosted by APRO and the Trip Group. With something for everyone on your team, this ultimate Florida location is also great for the opportunity to bring your family. Plus, this year, two brand new pre-convention events will be held in conjunction with RTO World. The Protecting the Transaction Summit and the Women's Forum, both happening the afternoon of Monday, August 5th. Whether you're coming to learn, buy, sell, or really just have a blast like I am, RTO World 2024 will be the place to be. Register now for RTO World 2024 at rtohq.org forward slash RTO World. And listen, the best early bird registration deals end June 30th. This is Pete from the RTO Show, and I can't wait to see you in Orlando. Welcome to the RTO Show. Today, we're talking rent-to-own with Gerard Norman, who is from Gerard Marketing, and he has been in rent-to-own now for two years. He's been in the marketing scheme, and he's gotten into it, and now he's going to show us how to get it done. Gerard, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Pete. I appreciate you having me on the show, and it was great meeting you in person, man. You had a really good talk at RTO World, and I'm glad I was able to catch it and get to meet you, and uh, now we're here. Absolutely. So if anybody doesn't know... Gerard was also speaking at the uh, RTO World San Antonio 2023, and uh, he actually sat in when I was speaking. Unfortunately, I didn't get to sit down when he was, but I do have somebody that actually sent me some notes from when you were talking, and uh, we've got to talk about the leaky bucket. I hear that's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just for rental, but for every business. Um, but it, it, it's a big problem that I feel like I've been working on solving for a while, but I've changed my focus to making that one of the main things because you can always get more traffic. But if you don't have the bucket sealed up, then, you know, it just causes some issue. Right. And now what we're talking about is uh, now Gerard is the CEO, and he does what we call turning strangers into customers. He's been doing that since 2016 uh, on social media networks, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, now, when we talk about YouTube, it's something that we're just now starting to get to uh, in RTO in the RTO industry, um, not into it as much as I think we should be, but we are. How much penetration do you think that RTO could get into as far as YouTube space? I think a lot because I think the biggest opportunity that you all have is doing marketing as far as social media in the RTO space is still relatively not really competitive. You might have a few people who do it. It seems like the bigger chains don't do it as much. And if they do, it's kind of a, a singular message that matches all of the stores versus I think the opportunity for most of you all is your local businesses. And if you put that on display, like you're in the Tampa area, so whether it's you or your your team, if they're putting on display that these this is who we are, we're local, we're just like you, and we want to service you, and we have been servicing you, this gives a different feel. I, I have a big line I like to say. It's called the value created after the experience. And what video allows you to do, whether you use it on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, which YouTube is even way more wide open than Facebook and Instagram, you guys, is if you put the video out there, they get to know who you are before they show up, and then they have a valid reason to choose you versus somebody else that they haven't seen because they got an idea who you were. 
Well, I mean, I think the big idea for rent to own is, unfortunately, I think we're still dealing with a stigma um, that rent to own is for people on a lower income scale. And that's really not the case. It's just uh, the fact that we don't take credit. And not in the fact that we don't take credit. It's just not necessary to make the purchases of the products that we have. And some people feel like because we don't have that credit situation, because it's an internal credit situation versus an external credit situation, that that changes the outcome uh, of how we charge. And a lot of people don't understand is when you're talking about the credit industry, uh, for anybody out there who doesn't understand rent-to-own versus the credit industry, the credit industry says, I'm going to allow you to buy it for this amount of money, right? So if it's $100, I'm going to allow you to buy it for $100. And your payments will be taxed or will be uh, set in interest rates all the way through. What they don't tell you is the final number. And if you make the minimum payments on a $100 payment, it's going to be a lot more than $100. The difference between that credit situation and a rent-to-own situation is that we're not afraid to tell you, this is what you're going to pay for it up front if you bought it now. And if you decide to rent it, it's okay because you will rent to own this and this is what the payments will end up costing you. And we can give you a finite number as opposed to credit. Well, it really depends. Are you paying more? Are you paying the minimum? Are you adding more to that same? Because the difference in rent to own also is when you open an agreement, right? They pay for that product and that product alone. And if you decide to open another agreement, then you open another agreement, not add to the same one. Well, in credit, it's a little bit different. So we spend a whole lot of time trying to fight that stigma. And maybe YouTube and these other ways to do it is the way to make it happen. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today, because you have a broader idea of what's going on. Now, I've seen that in the past year, you said you've gone from a done-for-you marketing model to a done-with-you model. What does that mean? Man, I'll answer that question, but I have to go a step back. The way you explained rent to own was like one of the best ways I just, I've ever heard it explained. Because like you said, when you do credit, they don't tell you that number and you guys do. And there is a stigma. Even when I got into the industry and working with you all, I was privy to that stigma as well. And as I got to meet some of the dealers and learn the dealers and understand the passion that you all have behind health in the community, of course, we all got to make some money. But you guys give people another option because, like, even right now, it's like everybody can't go to Amazon and buy everything they want. They can't go to Best Buy and buy everything they want, but they can come to you guys and get what they need. And I think it's crazy. Half the time, you guys are delivering it for free. You're setting it up for free. And that alone is good enough for me because I don't like paying for delivery charges, especially for huge furniture. Not to mention, if you got a second set of steps, you get charged extra. So you guys provide a really awesome service. You maintain it. Uh, but I just want to give you kudos on that explanation before I jump into answering your question. Well, thanks, Jared. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, man. Like, I, I love the way you explain things anyway. And that's like why I had to talk to you at the end. I was like, this guy is a beast, man. So <laughs> as far as like answering your question, as far as the done for you. So essentially from 2016 until 2023, what I used to do is people would pay me money. And what I would do is I would take their product or service and I would sell it for them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. I'd run the ads. I would create all the funnels and automations and emails and all that stuff in the background. And over the years, um, I've been wanting to switch to consulting instead, which consulting is similar, but instead of doing all the work for someone, we basically guide them through the process. And with consulting, the goal is to teach you how to fish instead of doing the fishing for you forever. You know, because marketing is marketing is a funny game. Um, it works or it doesn't work. And at the same time, the biggest thing is, do you know what to do next when it doesn't work? And I think that's where a lot of people fail. So if I could teach people the thought process on how to make their marketing work and show them how to do it so they can train their team, then at a certain point, they may not need me. So instead of paying me a monthly fee to do the work for you, and then if I leave or we start a relationship, you have to start that process again. 
if I teach you how to do it and you put systems in place, you can basically bring anybody in to put that in place. And then the process still keeps going on. And then eventually you don't need to pay me to consult you. Um, or every now and then you might just come back around and have a question and want a refresher, but you just put you in control of your marketing. And I feel like if you're making a bunch of money and you don't want to deal with it, sure. But I still think at the end of the day, marketing, I feel like it should mainly be an in-house thing unless you're just like a super huge business because no one's going to care about your business as much as the people in-house. As much as I'm starting to learn about rent to own, I've only been in the industry two years. And of course, like the way I do marketing is different from how most people do marketing in the industry, but I still am not a through. Like how long have you been in rent to own? So I started in the year 2000. I took a couple of breaks, but I've been in there for about 19 years now. Yeah. So you're like, you're a master at rent to own, right? Like, so I'm a master at, I would say at marketing, but then I have to apply that to everyone's business. So if, if I could teach you what I knew and, you know, Maybe not everything I know because you don't need to know everything, but if I teach you the most important things you need to know in order to grow your business, the way I would do it if I was doing it for you, at a certain point, there's no reason why it shouldn't be better than what I would do for you guys. So let me ask you a question. Before we go into any more, what do you see the big differences as between traditional marketing for traditional, let's say, retail sales and furniture companies compared to a rent-to-own approach, uh, the way we do marketing, the way we approach our customers? What do you see as a standout difference uh, that you've noticed over the past two years? Um, I feel like it's hard to say that it's a difference between retail and you guys. I think it's just what a lot of businesses are facing right now. Something as simple as just doing videos. A lot of businesses are doing videos. It's the thing that you need to do to create the experience. Even something as simple as putting ads out there. I mean, granted, you guys aren't going to networking events. I don't think the majority of you to bring in new customers, but how you're running ads. Like a lot of times, um, if you are running ads, as seen as a whole, and again, I'm not trying to blanket the whole industry, but just from what I've seen, they'll go with Google. And Google's great. And I'm not saying you don't have Google, but there's a huge opportunity on Facebook and Instagram. And even when you run a Google ad, there is no experience. Someone types something in, they need it. They see you, they call you. Now, the leaky bucket thing we'll get to later, but if you don't answer that call, which I think 60 to 64% of uh, small businesses miss those calls, if you miss that call, that's a missed opportunity. And those cheap, uh, those clicks on Google are not cheap. I'm a lot cheaper on Facebook, um, but that isn't always good either. But way cheaper than messing around on Google. So it's not that you don't have Google, uh, but then there's some guys who are not running Google. They're just, hey, um, the franchise the market and they'll bring people in and we'll just deal with what we have. And it's just, I think it's not what you guys do differently. I think it's just what businesses are facing as a whole. And it's kind of the same thing I've been seeing over the last few years. So stepping into this industry was no different. The reason why I like you guys' as industry more than others is really the people. Like even being at rent to own, I mean, RTO world, you know, when you were up there talking, I didn't know you had stores, but the fact that you did have store, you were already sharing so much value. And I was like really taking notes. I'm like, man, this guy's really good. And it's just like, you all share so much. And for you all to be competition and be all in the same place and be sharing, I mean, you might not share your best, best secret, but you all share quite a bit compared to most industries I've been in. And the fact that you all can come together in brotherhood and sisterhood and um, treat each other with respect, I think, is awesome. This is the part of the rent-to-own that I think a lot of people miss. And one of the reasons we start this podcast was because as people, when we do what we do, sometimes we forget that what we've learned 
as an industry is applicable throughout any rent-to-own company that you're in. Now, they, some people do one thing a little bit differently as far as, and I always say, you know, it's like a fast food restaurant. We're all eating the same food, just made a little different ways. And you know what? Those little nuances are what creates the idea of you want to take this, you want to taste this particular sandwich over the other. But the ingredients might be mostly the same, except for the secret sauce or one's grilled versus, you know, fried or whatever. But in rent to own, the approach is it's a people business. It's relationship driven. And anybody who can understand that it's relationship driven. So I could be the competition of anybody out there, but if I'm better at creating that relationship, that one-on-one customer relationship and giving them an experience that they can't experience anywhere else because it's retail, you walk in, you buy something, you leave. I'm going to give you an experience. I'm going to make sure that you see the value in the money that you're giving me by taking it to your house, like you said, for free, servicing it for free, giving you different payment plan options as far as same as cash, long-term early purchase option, being able to basically change the way you pay, either weekly, bi-weekly, semi-monthly, or monthly, and the ability to kind of add things to it as you go or subtract without any penalty, everybody's doing that because it's an industry thing. So why not talk about those ideas freely? Why not talk amongst your peers freely and really give out? Because the more that you give, I guarantee you, the more that you get. And of course, we're talking about marketing and that's why we're doing that. So how do we focus on getting new customers, because that's really what this is all about, is, is working on getting new customers. And we talked about the leaky bucket. So talk to me a little bit. Where did the leaky bucket come from, and what was the idea behind it? Well, the leaky bucket, I guess the idea came from it's just like, if you think of just pouring water into a bucket, if it has holes in it, you're not going to get as much water as you would like at the end of the day. As long as the bottom of the bucket is sealed, then, yeah, you'll have some water in there. But essentially... Every time there's a hole in your bucket, which means there's a hole in your process with how your uh, your marketing works as far as bringing customers in, then that just means another missed opportunity. And I think what was a game changer for me was as I started learning more about that process and focusing there instead of actually driving traffic, because I feel like getting, getting leads and getting new customers, I feel like is easy. But when you don't realize how much you're missing because you have holes in your bucket, you don't think anything of it until you actually do the math. And then once you do the math, you realize how much money you're leaving on the table. And that's a term everybody uses. You're leaving money on the table. And I don't want to throw it around loosely, but I mean, if we just did like some simple numbers here, if you had, let's say 10 people hit you up on your website and let's say that you have a website form, but you know, you don't get to those leads fast enough. Let's say I came through right now and I said, Hey, I wanted a new couch. If you call me tomorrow, because you didn't get the form right away or you saw it and you didn't think it was important, then tomorrow I might have called your competitor. Um, I might have called the same store down the street, which isn't one that's yours. I mean, obviously you want them to be taken care of, but it's a missed opportunity. So if there's 10 of those and you can, you know, let's say your close rate is naturally 50%, uh, that's five That's five deliveries or give or take or agreements that you just lost and depending on how much agreement every agreement is worth, let's just say it's in that 120 to 130 range. Let's just call it 130 for the sake of numbers. So what's that? It's well over $600, $700 in potential loss just from missing those opportunities and not getting back to them fast enough. So that's where the leaky bucket is. And if, if we plug those holes where we make it, where one, if a website form comes in, you know, it goes to someone on your team right away. Now, granted, if it's overnight, you know, you don't have someone working overnight. That's next, next level. But even then, there's automation that comes out to let people know that you got their form. 
And a lot of times the people respond to that. And by doing that, it's upping the experience, right? And it's letting them know that you got it because I can't tell you how many times in all industries people will submit a form and they're like, oh man, I forgot. And it's not even like the next day, if they even respond. So it's just getting back to them fast enough. It's doing that. It's, if you do have a Google uh, lead that comes in, where does it go? How do you get a hold of it? Are they getting something within 60 seconds or less automation-wise? Or, and if it's during the day, are you actually getting on the phone and calling them right away to let them know that you got their inquiry? And if not, they don't answer it. Are you texting them right away to let them know, hey, we got your inquiry and we're look, we're here to help you? Excuse me. Every one of those isn't necessarily going to turn into a sales slash delivery slash agreement. But every time you don't do that, you're just lessening your chances. And that's basically what the leaky bucket is about. When these, when, when marketing when your marketing is working and people are coming in, are you getting back to them fast enough? Which technically I call that part speed. If you're not touching people within 60 seconds automated with AI, which we've been doing AI now too, or manually, then your chances of closing that deal go down dramatically. And, 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 and I think the part that people miss. And I want to find a better way to say this, and maybe you can help me, Pete. If you don't know what's happening, then you don't think you're losing money. Well, knowledge is power. And when you start looking at the situations and you talk about the leaky bucket, you start putting a dollar amount to that. And now you start putting a face a dollar amount. If I have 10 people and 10 people are worth $100 a piece and I only have a close ratio of 20%, well, now I'm missing out on a huge amount of potential out there of potential income and a potential of these the relationships and you start you start having these relationships you're missing out on eight different relationships that are costing you a tangible amount of money and when you start going over the ARC or the average uh, the average rate per customer and you start going well this is the potential that I could have had. This is the potential I lost. Now it starts changing things. But you don't know that you're missing those people until you really start doing the numbers on it and start doing the background on it and saying, okay, I have to track the leads. I have to track how many I'm closing. And then I have to track how much I'm losing. And that losing number is it's, it's staggering sometimes. I mean, what is an, what an, do you know what an average closing rate is for somebody who does an online lead for rent-to-own? Um, honestly, it varies. I think it varies. Like if I, when I, when I do the, like when I did the talk at rent to own world or when I talk to stores individually, I'll ask them, I'll say, Hey, what is your close rate? If you had, if you got in front of, and I'll even ask you oh, for your team, I should say, if they talk to 10 people on average, how many do you think they would close? Right now, I think we're about 2.5. Uh, if, if you're saying, uh, or 25%, which is unfortunately very terrible. Uh, I have a new team that's working on it and they're getting better at it. But, you know, I would think that a 40, 40%, 45% would be pretty high. Uh, 25% I think is on the lower end. I would say about 35% is about average or, or what I've seen lately. But I mean, you could tell me that, that, that could be completely off. I mean, I would love to see 70, 80%. I just don't, you know, I just know for a fact that I haven't seen it yet. Let's take a quick break. Here at the RTO Show, we use Vox Populi for our marketing needs because they are the best graphics production agency in rent-to-own. They offer turnkey services from design production and fulfillment, maintain a huge catalog selection, and manage a ton of creative services that can be tailored to fit your business. Andrew and Cindy Hyduk have the knowledge and experience of working with rent-to-own for years, and they make it easy to get your brand recognized and utilized. You can contact them at 770-476-5112 or visit them online at voxpopuli.com. That's V-O-X-P-O-P-U-L-I. 
Bluehost.com. Well, I would say if you, if you got a new team, 25% is actually good. Like 20, like, cause I've done high ticket sales too. So when I, when I talk with rent to own people, I'm not just coming from a marketing aspect. I've worked on eight figure sales. Like the guy who taught me a lot about marketing, I'd say he taught him and his team probably taught me 90% of what I know on marketing. And then the rest, I mean, I guess in a combination of it was actually real world experience, helping people actually make money. He helped people make tens of millions of dollars, like, you know, running their campaign. And 25 to 30% selling high ticket. Like, I think the last time I did it with him, we were selling something for 10,000 and my close rate was like between 20 and 28. And I, I should have had it higher, but I understood where I was. Thinking. So if you have someone who's new and I was new to his system selling it and they're doing 25%, that's good because the only way to go is up, especially if they're the right people on the bus. So I wouldn't, wouldn't be down on that, but obviously you want to see incremental improvement every day. But, um, I would say, I only only reason I go with fifty percent is because usually I'll get anywhere between forty and sixty. Some guys swear they can close everything, but then the biggest difference is is closing cold traffic versus closing warm traffic is two different things. No matter if you're in rent to own or not, if someone sends you a referral, then your close rate should go higher. If you're meeting someone who doesn't know who you are yet, then opportunity to close typically goes down. So even if we stayed at forty percent, um, like if that's where you want to be, or even if we stayed at the twenty five. You know, if you have 10, like I said, 10 leads came in, you close 25%, then that's, like I said, 2.5, 2.5 new agreements that you got there. But then here's a number that a lot of people missed. If, if 10 leads come in, how many did you actually even talk to? That's a good question. Yeah, that's what I call contact rate. Well, I, I guess, you know, and, and I, without even really thinking about it, if I have 10 leads come in, we don't actually talk to a lot of them. Um, I would probably say probably half either are non-contactable or by the time we contact them, it's been later, even though we've init- we've tried to initiate contact up front. Um, so I don't know. I, I really didn't think about it like that. But I guess that would increase the amount of closes per actual contact and not actually per lead that came in, which is very important as well. Very true, right? Yeah, so so even keeping that number in mind, so let's say that we went with the 10 leads came in, you got a hold of five of them, and out of the five, you closed 2.5. So technically, you're at 50%. So a lot of people take the amount of leads in the closing, and they don't take apart that part of the people they don't talk to. And that's part of the leaky bucket problem, because imagine if, you know, and this is an industry problem that I think people are working on around. There's people coming out with CRM. Um, but, I, I, you know, in all honesty, the CRMs that are out in the industry right now, I think they're still young and people are coming coming at these CRMs from a programming standpoint and IT standpoint versus a marketing and sales standpoint and understanding what the people need. And I think that's just I, I, that happens a lot. But all right. Now, if we go back to these 10 leads, you know, you got a hold of let's say if we had the, the, the leaky bucket fix and the speed delete problem was engaged or solution was there and you got a hold of seven of them. Now, naturally, if you still were at that 50%, it automatically increases how many deliveries you get. So one of the biggest holes that I've been helping people plug and rent to own is keeping track of that contact rate and then working on that. So, you know, if we increase your contact rate, even by 1%, that's essentially 1% every day, then it's like everything else stays the same. The numbers just continue to rise. And when people start focusing on that, and I had a, consultant call with a guy yesterday he's 
it's almost like a seven figure uh, photography studio he works with. And he was telling me about his numbers and he was happy about them. He found out that the numbers he was telling me were off and he's really big on his numbers. And then when, cause I kept saying, bro, like if you're getting these numbers, imagine if you tracked how many people you actually talk to. And he was like, no, I don't need to do that now. And then he came back and said, I think we need to look into that. And we had a call yesterday with the same thing. He's like, man, now that I know that, I can just redo everything. So now it's another number that he adds into his marketing stats. And yeah, we had 100 leads and we had this many, but how many did we talk to? And how many did we close out of that? And then the problem that keeps solving is how do we talk to more of these people so that if the close rate stays the same, we just keep closing more because we don't need to focus on the back end as much. Because the sales might be as good as it gets. You just need to get them more opportunities. And the only way to get opportunities is by having conversations. So do you think in rent to own uh, as we're watching these numbers go in and making sure that we're closing, our close rate is at least at 50% of the people that we do contact. Do you think it's better to do a broad approach or do you think that any one of these factors is a better way to go to, to, to go almost, I wouldn't say an all in, but focus more on is, is Facebook a good more focus on than it is a total Google range or is it all the above and not really focus on one situation or the other than one, let's say uh, social media versus another. Uh, for me, I mean, I'm a little biased. I, I know Google does work. I, I don't just uh, discount Google. Um, but when I first started marketing, I had so many opportunities to choose SEO, which SEO is great. You need SEO, but it, it costs you a lot of money up front. And if you don't have it, then you're not going to get clients right away, usually. Because it's a long man game to rise to the top. And then when you're dealing with bigger stores like a Rent-A-Center or an Aaron's that have thousands upon thousands of locations, they have the money to spend to make sure they outbank. And the only way someone wouldn't click on them is if they already had a bad experience. But it doesn't mean you still shouldn't show up. Um, but I'm just, I'm more, I'm more biased towards social media because it gives you the opportunity to create that value. Like even what you were saying about selling the midst of the rental industry, that's a video. Like I, I felt the experience of what you were trying to offer, even though we're, we're talking right now, I felt it. So imagine if I could see you deliver that on a video, whether you were in your store, walking down the street in my city, I would be like, man, this guy, Pete, I never thought of it that way. He seems pretty cool. He's the kind of guy that I could talk to, you know, because a lot of these people, they deal with this all day at work. They don't probably like their jobs. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And not saying everybody is, but a lot of these people are. And then when they, so when they meet someone like yourself, who's just being you and who's giving value and gives it in the way you do it, and this is you and a lot of the dealers I've met, it's like, man, I can deal with that person. Let me go. The people buy from people they like. They know, like, and trust. They have to know who you are before they can like you. They have to like you before they trust you. And know and like kind of happen at the same time. Like, we met at Rent to Own World, and I knew who you were by meeting you. I didn't know who you were before then and vice versa. And then within a very short amount of time, I was like, I like this guy. And that was it. It usually happens together. The trust takes time to build, right? But even then, when you have that no one like the next part of the cycle comes. And that's why I like social media over Google for that standpoint is because you can build the no like and trust in one video. Like if that what you said, you did that in a video. I'm not saying you're going to, you know, knock it out the park and break your delivery records tomorrow. That's, damn, that's, a, that's a damn good start to let people know who you are. And then imagine if they watch, let's say that's a minute long video. Imagine if they watched 15 seconds of that video, which means they really pledged their time into that. Imagine showing up to them again with another video, continuing breaking myths, or another video actually 
showing them an offer or another video actually just showing them the showroom floor or another video just showing them who your team is, introducing your team to them and saying, hey, this is, you know, this is Sally or or this is Pete and he's been here for so long. What do you like? You know, I like the Eagles or I like Buccaneers, Bad Tom Brady, whatever it is, letting them know that you guys are real people. So when they come there, they're looking to, they're looking for you. And the craziest thing about doing video, Pete, and this happened to me when I first started doing marketing, I started doing a vlog and it's on my YouTube, which I was actually recording my, my journey from learning how to do the skills that I have now without having any skills. I had literally lost my job and was trying to figure out how to do something new. And I recorded every day for like six months, my journey. And when I went to San Diego to go to the conference where all the people in this community were, people knew who I was and I didn't know, I didn't know them. It was all because they were watching my journey. They saw how I hustled. They saw the injuries I was going through to get myself back from my car accident. They saw me taking my son to jujitsu. So if I had something to sell them, man, I would have, I would, I'd have made a bunch of sales because they knew who I was when I got there. And it's like the most humbling feeling, especially when you're a humble guy like yourself and a humble guy like most of these dealers. You want people to come in and feel like family. The best way to, for them to do that is for them to know who you are before they get there and they want to meet you. So then basically, as we're looking at rent to own and we're looking at the social media input and output, what you're saying from a marketing standpoint is not just to be out there trying to sell and hook somebody for the next sale, but to actually turn back the veil on what's going on and say, hey, this is me. This is what I offer from rent to own. This is the people that I have here. This is the business we do. And this is how we affect our community. And you're saying when you when you put that information out there in video format through social media, you will get a better turnout in the marketing aspect. You will. And sometimes it's automatic. Like, and sometimes it, it, it takes time, but all marketing somewhat takes time. But that's why I like to do that aspect. Again, if we had the video of explaining what happened um, in rent to own and how it works, if we retarget or remarket to the Google people, the people who are engaging with that video, then they're the only ones that see the next step. So now it's like you've created an audience and then you just keep showing that audience and then you make them an offer. But what happens is most people, what they do, and it works this way too, is they shoot, they'll run an ad, whether it's video or picture, and they basically do no like and and try to get the trust all in one video and ask for the sale. And you can still make sales that way. And I've done it for plenty of people. Um, But I think the beauty of being local and you guys aren't going anywhere, even though you want to make more sales, you don't have to be in such a rush. You can have both aspects. But yeah, it's really about letting them know who you are. I mean, the beauty, like being local, it doesn't take much to make sure that everybody in the whole city knows who you are, whoever your target audience is, especially if your delivery radius is maybe 10 to 15 miles, maybe more in a rural area. Um, It doesn't take much for everybody to know who you are. So the more that you can connect with them, and especially if you have an entertaining side to you and you're willing to put that on video without feeling, you know, you don't want to feel like a clown, but if you can marry the two together, then you'll be that guy. Be that guy or you'll be that girl. And when someone needs something, they're coming to you. So the CRM or the customer relations management software that we're talking about is the CRM software that's out there that funnels people to the website or funnels people from the website to your store. And now here's the thing. You're right. CRMs are not really tailored to rent to own and they haven't been. And we're, we're kind of working around that. I was speaking with Jess Mahan, who is the um, sales director for you know, rent to own in the countryside rentals. And she was talking about how, you know, they do, they use a CRM, but they kind of have 
taking the options they can and, and change it over to as much as they can to rent to own. But they also have people, live people who are answering the phone or answering, I should say, answering web leads that come in and they're actually the chat function, but it's real people. Now, those people work in four-hour shifts and they're working all the time, which is, I think, a great idea. But here's a question. With the advancement of AI, and I noticed you mentioned that before, and automation and AI, is that something that you think Rent-to-Own should incorporate in the chat box to to start talking to one of the customers to see that you know we can close that 60-second gap and not have such a leaky bucket? For sure, for sure. So like what Jeff is doing, if they have the the people on call, I mean, that's awesome because if as long as they're on top of it, then they'll get to all the leads right away. Um, so I think that that is a really good option. And with one store I'm working with now, we don't have them calling, but we have like a remote team that actually uh, gets all the leads in and they text them right away because they're not able to do it. Uh, they're a little short staff and they have new people like, like that you did. So having that human touch of someone who's dedicated, I think that's great. But yeah, AI for sure is is uh, a really good option. I just think the only thing I've been trying to figure out, just being honest with you, um, for rent to own is because you your your industry is different from from um, retail, so it's not like you guys have set pricing. Obviously, there's monthly, biweekly, um, weekly. So there's all these different variations that have to be taken in the, uh, account in addition to you know someone picking what they want. So uh, the AI can actually answer all questions about rent to own. We can program to do that. And we're working with a few stores now to put that in. But where it falls short is giving it pricing on an item. So obviously if, you know, let's just say this couch was twenty three ninety nine a week, then I might be too low on that. Um, you know, if they said they wanted the brown couch on the website and they sent you a picture, the AI can't go to the site and grab that and know that that's what they're talking about. So... It, it falls short a little bit there, and it also falls short with being able to send them pictures because the way, uh, like the CRM that I use now that I'm running with some stores, when we get a new Facebook lead or a web lead, it comes in. First thing it does is say, hey, we'll send, you know, do you want some pictures of the item that they said they were interested in? So the form always asks them. So if I say I want this couch, it automatically drops it in there in automation. And, and when they respond yes, then it alerts someone at the store to send them pictures. Um, and it's pretty cool. The only problem is if that person at the store is too busy or they don't check their phone, then, you know, then we have another gap in the speed to leave. So that's why it's good to have something like what Jeff is having with having people call or the other thing I'm doing, which is having people follow up with text. But the next evolution, what I've been doing, just talking to some of the dealers, they're giving me some great ideas on how I can modify the system is, and I think I'm going to probably drop this variation in two weeks is when someone comes in and they say they want this couch for anyone who says they want a couch, they get these links to the website. If someone says they want an e-bike, they get this link to the website. So it sends them straight to that picture. And then the next message would be, Hey, did you get the pick? Which one do you like? And try to get them as close to filling out an application and a delivery without having to have uh, you guys jump in and actually having to service them. But um, it does make it a little bit more challenging in rent to own because there is an aspect where it's almost like someone needs to be talked to, unless your website's transactional, um, which some people, people aren't. Your website's transactional, that's cool. But everybody doesn't just go through the process without be, having their hand held. And then part of the experience, like, you know, based on what you were telling me and what I hear from the other guys, some people want to have that, that touch point and not just 
go straight to the fighting order something, especially if they still have that stigma. Right? So it's hard to fully eliminate a person who can't include AI, but I haven't, just being honest, figured out how to let AI take over that whole operation for you guys, but it can get them further down the track to application and delivery. Well, just a quick question. Now, we were talking about the 60 seconds or less, and I know you said speed the lead. What does it look like when you start answering or you start getting to these sales leads after 60 seconds? How quick does the fall off happen? Man, it's, it's crazy. I, sh- I, w- I should have my presentation up uh, with that screen. But um, the one number I remember off the top of my head is if you go more than an hour um, from the time that that lead came in, you're 60 times more as likely not to get a hold of them, which, you know, at that point, let's say I, you had a lead and I was coaching you and you said, hey, I'm not getting to them after an hour. I'm like, well, until you hit them up 60 times, don't tell me that that lead ain't good. And you'd be like, huh? And I'm like, until you hit them up 60 times, don't tell me that they're good because that's what, how the numbers played out. You know, um, anything after a minute, it goes down dramatically. Um, I've always been preaching five minutes or less to call people. Um, even if you have automation coming out, but yeah, you know, an hour, it's crazy. Once you go a day and there's some people say, yeah, I get to them in a few days. These leads suck because they don't answer the phone. I'm like, man, by that time, I mean, you got to think of the age we're in. We're in the age of Amazon. Granted, they may not be able to go to Amazon and get everything they want, but that's, that's what life is to people getting stuff next day immediately and getting their quick, you know, and getting that access to what they want right away. So if you, don't answer the phone right away, or if you don't get back to them right away, there's a good chance they're going to move on and do something else. And by the time you get back to them, it's actually an annoyance. Cause it's like, why does this person keep calling me? Who, who, who even, who even is this person? They forgot they dialed your number. It's not safe. So now you become an annoyance and you know, the energy is just not that great. And if your people do get on the phone, they can be as nice as they want. But at that point, most of them just leave the hell alone. I already got what I want, or I don't want it anymore. I can't afford it. This is a scam. Who knows what their life is like, what they're going through. And that's where that experience comes in again and that you guys are trying to provide them because you make them feel, you make them feel good. You make them feel, I don't know, you make them feel something that they're probably not feeling in other places. And that's why they're going to keep coming to. So at Gerard Marketing, let's say that I'm, I have a couple of stores. And when I say a couple, I mean a literal two stores. And I call Gerard Marketing and I say, listen, I need to, open up what I have. I need to make sure that I'm getting as much uh, online content as I can to the people that I'm trying to sell to. And I want to have a net that I'm barely going to let anybody through. What is, what are some of the things that you would say that you would be able to do with a smaller company? Cause something like you said, the bigger companies, we've got the racks, we've got, you know, like rent to own, who's got uh, just handling business and taking care of things. But what, what about the guys who's got two and three stores? What would you say you would be able to offer them and make happen so that we don't have such a leaky bucket? The first thing is I would lead with plugging all the holes. So first of all, you have a website. If you do, great. Where does it go? How long does it take you to get a message when someone enters it in? And if it takes you more than a day to get it, I mean, honestly, if it takes you any time other than automatic, then that's the first thing. I'm like, all right, well, cool. Here's a new web, uh, here's a new website form. As soon as someone fills it out, you'll get a notification right away. Then I'll say, all right, do you have a website widget or chat? And they're like, yeah. All right, cool. Well, you know, in some cases, something, these would be people that aren't even in the store. And same thing, these things, I get back to the people 
until it's way too late after the speed tweet is done. I'm like, oh, cool. Here's the chat widget. Put it on the site. Now, if anybody chats, you can either chat live with them or it'll come straight to your phone and you can text back and forth with them or you can get on the computer. But it'll come right away. So those are the first two things we saw. And it's like, all right, where are your leads coming in from right now? All right, well, if they're coming in from Google, same thing. We'll put something together where you get the information right away. So if you can't get to it, then I mean, it, I mean that's half the that's half the battle. And then the next part of that is, all right, now that you got to it, are you? I mean, I gave it to you right away. What are you doing with it? Okay, how can we solve that problem? If you're a smaller store, you don't have the budget, then we just have to tighten up on what we're doing. If you have the budget, yeah, we can get a remote team to call. We can get a remote team to text. But the first thing is putting those things in place. And then once those things are in place and your bucket is sealed up, then we can turn on the faucet and the water will stay in the bucket, which is the ad. Um, I used to lead with teaching people ads, and I still teach some of the uh, RTO people ads. Um, but my thing is, if you don't have a, a CRM, no automation, um, you don't necessarily need AI, but, you know, not yet anyway. But if you don't have a CRM and automation at the very least, then hey, we got to start there. So you think if I have a small a small company, even if I have a limited marketing budget, the first thing that I should do is a website and get a CRM? Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, the website, yeah, you guys need a website. Like I'm in marketing and <laughs> I can get away without having a website because if I want to create a new offer right now, let's say I was selling something on this red zone, I can literally just make up a new domain and just have a GC, whatever I was offering here. And no one's ever have to go to my real website. Um, but for you guys, yeah, they need to go to your website. Um, which I think that's standard for you, for you all having that, um, for sure. But you need to have it set up because if you start getting leads, especially if your budget's low and you can't get back to them right away, then you're just going to keep losing money. And what will happen with smaller businesses, they'll spend 50 or a hundred dollars. I'm like, this doesn't work, which is crazy thinking anyway. But I'm like, oh, this doesn't work. And I'm like, well, first of all, you didn't spend enough. And then second, did you get to the leads fast enough? And I think it's, I think for every, uh, for a lot of people, not just rent to home again, because I'm not picking on the rental home industry. I'm just, I'm honestly grateful and humble that I have the opportunity to help out in the industry and that people see what I bring as valuable. So I really do appreciate that. Um, but I think there's like a common, a common myth, kind of like what you're saying about rent to own that you can follow at least within days and be all right. I don't know who told anybody that, but that's nowhere near right. Not if you really want to make some money and keep it consistent and have your marketing actually bring you the ROI you're looking for. I completely agree. Why don't we take a step back a little bit and tell me, how did you get into the world of rent-to-own considering that you have such a vast background in the industry, but not with rent-to-own? You said you've only been doing this for two years as far as rent-to-own is concerned. How did that happen and where did that originate from? Wow. So that's a funny story. So I guess I have to take you a little bit further back. Um, so what year is this? It's 2023. <laughs> yeah, it's 2023. So I used to work in shipbuilding. Um, I used to work on aircraft carriers and submarines. I went to the apprentice school in Newport News, Virginia. And, um, I, you know, I, I was good there. I was making, I thought it was good money. And I thought that was my life. I rose through the ranks and yada, yada, yada. And essentially what had happened was um, politics just didn't work out too well for me. And that's why I like this industry, because you guys aren't, I mean, well, I'm pretty sure at a certain level there's politics, but dealing with you guys on a, you know, on a regular level, no politics and it's just you guys are real folks and so i kept i got demoted because of politics and i was actually better at my job than some of the people that they left in place which really didn't fit well so i went 
to a different shipyard. And um, eventually, long story short, on the way to work, because I, I hated that place. One day I looked up in the sky and said, I can't do this forever. And then uh, probably like a week or two later, I got hit by an 18-wheeler truck on the way to work. And that kind of just shut that whole show down for me. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Did you say you got hit by an 18-wheel truck? <laughs> yeah. I can laugh about it now. Well, my son was too. He was in the car. It was it was scary. Okay. So you're in a vehicle and you got hit. Now you took that as a sign like, I probably shouldn't be going to where I'm, go- I'm headed to right now. Well, <laughs> I was taking my son to school so I can go to the shipyard. And when I was taking him to school, the truck hit us. And I almost flipped my truck over. And um, you ever seen that movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny De Niro? Or Danny DeVito? DeVito? Absolutely. Yeah, so when they had the red car, he was on two wheels and he pulled up in front of the restaurant? Yes. That's what the, you know, my truck was up in the air like that. And it almost flipped all the way over. And then I, I somehow I got it back down. I don't know. It's like everything was moving in slow motion with that thing hit us. And... So it actually hit his side. He was good. Um, I didn't get maimed or anything, but um, I ended up having needing back surgery and hip surgery, and I really couldn't walk. And so um, I decided to keep going to work um, because I didn't have money saved up. I wasn't really good with finances back then. It wasn't horrible, but just didn't know. And eventually I got to a point where I couldn't walk and go to work. And it just led to foreclosure, bankruptcy, um, I was a single dad with two kids trying to figure that whole situation out with nobody, trying to learn skill sets. Um, it was a rough time. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a real rough time. And um, that was in 2012 that happened. 2013, I left my job and had two surgeries. And then I didn't have a job for two years. And then um, I kept trying things. I tried real estate investing, but you need money for that. And because I was in survival mode, I know there's ways to get it, but it was something brand new. Um, But one thing that stuck out to me when I was doing real estate investing is these guys are invest heavily in marketing, not like real estate agents. Most real estate agents don't even sell real estate. So the real estate investors, that's where I first got my first introduction with marketing. I showed up on crutches after my first surgery and there was like, I'm not going back to work. Just didn't work out for me the way I wanted it to at the time. And then, so when I stopped doing that, I got into network marketing and I thought I was going to get rich in that. And that didn't work out as well as I thought. But some guys who were internet marketing gurus of the time, they joined that business and they blew it up overnight. And I was just like, wow. And they started teaching us how to do that. And that was like my second introduction into marketing. And when they showed us that, because one of the guys was a huge introvert and I became extroverted because, you know, I I had nothing to lose and I needed to take care of my family. So I was like, you know, being shy is not going to cut it. I need to just be out here. And he's like, well, you know, you're one of the hardest working guys I see. And I was like, well, I don't got no money, though. And he was like, well, how about instead of talking to everybody, why don't you just show up to people who already want what you have? And I was like, how do you do that? And then the biggest turning point was after leaving that conference, because we are network marketing, you know, people call it pyramid schemes. You're looking to tell everybody about your business. I was sitting next to this lady on the plane and I was like, I'm getting back to recruiting mode. And she didn't give a damn about what I was doing. And then she looked at my notes. She said, oh, yeah, we were at the same conference. And then I realized she was on the stage making $20,000 a month and she didn't care about talking to people at first. She just let her marketing do all the work. And then when I got off the, you know, on the rest of the ride home, I was like, I'm going all in on marketing. And I tried using marketing for the network marketing business. And then eventually I was like, you know, forget this business. And I realized that if I can help any business get customers, I would never be out of business. And then that, that was 2016 by the time that happened. And then I just went all in. 
And then what I did to learn, because I still was really short on money, is I stole my car. Um, I had two cars at the time. One of them was down and one of them was running. I sold the car that was running so I could have the money to buy this marketing program. And once I bought that marketing program, the rest was kind of history. And I kind of had to tell you that part because one of the guys I met, because I started working with Premier, and I got a shout out to my boy, Scott Kinnear. If he's listening, if he listens to your show, I'll tell him to listen to it. But Scott Kinnear, he's a, he's a Premier dealer out in Ohio, really good guy. And um, this was one of the times that my mentor asked me to come back and help him with a project. And I was like, well, you guys are eight figures. So if I can come learn from you guys, I can just make my team better. And I essentially, I stole Scott on, I helped him create an ad because he bought my mentor's package. And then I sold him on joining the same program that got me really good at this. And he was like, hey, man, you're actually pretty good at this. You know, my company, they want me to help him. But, you know, I, I need to run my stores. Would you talk to him? And I was like, yeah. I spoke with um, the director and, you know, that was it. Uh, <laughs> crazy story how all that happened. And that was like two years ago. And here we are. How is your relationship with Premier now? Relationship is good. I still work with Premier. Scott's really cool. I still work with them. I still train them on ads. Um, been giving them some suggestions on how to increase their speed to lead. Some of the guys I work with individually. So it's pretty cool. Um, the thing I like about working with them is I feel like a lot of what I got to know about the rent-owned industry was from dealing with their dealers individually. And just seeing how they were as people. Because in all honesty, if I don't like people, I don't care about money. I'm just not going to work with them. I, I just don't. And I would say, you know, everybody I've met and talked to has been really cool. And then once I went to rent to own, I mean, RTO world, it was like an extension of dealing with the premier guys, but getting to meet all these people from different industries and see how they were. So it was, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Glad to get out there. Well, I would tell you, my first RTO world really opened up my eyes, and it, it, it got me to see that there is so much out there that I didn't know and so much that I'm appreciative now for in meeting people who have helped me get to where I am and people who have helped mentor me and give me great ideas and kind of help lift me up when I thought I was at the end of my rope. And they said, you know what, Pete, you got a little bit more life left and uh, came to do this uh, podcast because I wanted those people to be heard. I wanted to know that I wanted everybody to know that there were people out there who were willing to help and willing to guide and willing to push. Uh, when you think that you're you're done and you're tired and you're out, and they can say, you know what? No, nope, it's not the end of your road. You're a hard worker, and if you really want to do this, let me show you how I've done it, and maybe you can put your own spin on it. And I will tell you that that is a rent to own one on one as far as the people that are out there, either Premier or Countryside Rentals, or Rent-A-Center, or Aaron's, or Rent King, or Buddies, or anybody else. There's so many people out there that are willing to see you succeed, including uh, the friends that you make along the way. And that's really what I love about rent own what, what part of the U.S. are you from right now? Where are you, where are you stationed out of? I actually live in Virginia Beach, originally from Boston, Massachusetts, but Virginia Beach has you know, been my home most of my life. I love you. I haven't been out there yet, but I plan on putting that on my bucket list. Yeah, man, it's a nice spot. I mean, it, I like it. I like it living in the beach and, you know, pretty cool. I, I haven't been to Tampa yet. I'm looking forward to making it out there. I, I come to Florida. That's one of my longest clients who's not in to own. He lives in um, Orlando. So I was actually just in Orlando sometime last month. He had like a small thing and we had to get with him and type of people he hangs out with. And it's always a good thing. And then we're able to bring my wife and for her to learn because we're getting more into investing overall 
because marketing is cool and it, it is a skill to be able to help people always make money. Um, and at the same time, with, you know, learning how to make your money work better for you is always a good thing too, you know? Absolutely. Well, what I want to say is, Gerard, we so appreciate talking to you. I mean, talking about the leaky bucket and making sure that we catch everything that's coming through, at least as much of it as possible, knowing that what you do matters in time. So anything over 60 seconds is going to cost you. Make sure that you close them quick. Don't always be so quick to shoot to Google. Make sure that you do the Facebook and the social media, because sometimes that might be a better idea to put your story out there in video form and let people know who they're really dealing with. Make sure that if you have the opportunity to get a CRM, you go out and get it, because that customer relations management software is a must. And understand and know your lead times. If they're putting in a lead, how long does it take and what are you doing with it? and the close ratios of the people that you actually contact. Make sure that if you have a website, your messages are coming in the way they need to. And if you have a chat function, I'll tell you right now, chat it up with them as much as you can, whether it's AI or not. Make sure that you're in the zone with 60 seconds or less. And we're going to let Scott know that he's much appreciated, Jared, for uh, helping you get into the rent own space and leading you to... How did you get to speak at RTO World, though? Oh, that's a whole other story. So, uh, shout out to Sandy. Sandy's my girl, Sandy Fry. Um, yes. So Scott got me in and, um, Sandy's like one of my favorite rent to own dealers. She's just, she's just awesome. You know, obviously Scott is too, but essentially what happened was, um, she's in Pennsylvania and I knew a few dealers in Pennsylvania and I got invited up there to speak at the PARD meeting in Pennsylvania Association of Rental Dealers. And I spoke there and that's where I got to meet, uh, Mr. Fisher, which he's a pretty cool dude himself. And I spoke there, and then when I was there, him, Sandy, and I think it was Edward, he was there from APRO, and it was like, hey, man, would you like to come speak at RTO World and share more of it? I was like, sure. And that's how I ended up down there, so that was pretty cool. You guys already know, and I'll tell you, Jared, the guys at Magic rent own they are a big, big, big part of what's going on out there in the rent own space. They are absolutely amazing on what they do. Dan Fisher and his guys are just top-notch A1 on their game. We've actually talked to Dan Fisher. One of our first interviews was to Dan Fisher off-air, off-podcast, but we brought back the information. And then the second interview I did with one of his guys was Joe Luxick. Amazing, amazing conversation where they were talking to us about Magic University and how they train their people into sales. Uh, we were talking to the director of sales. And let me tell you, those are some top-notch guys over there. And we really love to hear that you were able to come in because of something that you did with them, because those are like extended family for us here at the RTO show. Just letting everybody know, listen, if you guys have a question for Gerard, please hit me up at Pete at the RTO Show Podcast.com. I mean, that's my email. Website is www.thertoshowpodcast.com. Go on there. You can submit and then go online and you can also see us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can hit us up on there. If you guys have any questions for Gerard, please hit us up. Hit us up in the DMs or hit us up on the emails and we can pass it along and make sure we get that answered. Any final thoughts before we close up today? Um, again, shout out to Dan. And uh, yeah, because I feel like, you know, Sandy bringing me there, meeting him, um, that was part of the opportunity that was given to me at RTO World. So shout out to him. And, yeah, I like how they operate, how he operates and how the rest of the team operates. They, I mean, RTO is a family, but they're like a family within a family. And it, it, I, I just like the way they move. So shout out to them. And my parting re uh, remarks would be, yeah, definitely get a CRM. Um, in my opinion, CRM should include automation as well. So if you have a CRM and it, people just come in, but it doesn't do anything past that, there's better tools out there. Get one. And also, 
dealing with a lot of the dealers that I've worked with, I've sat in on some of the meetings they've had with their other marketing companies. And a lot of times these guys aren't necessarily, I don't want to name names. So I'll just say that they're not necessarily doing anything different. It's almost like it's a guarantee. This is what we're going to do. We'll put it out there. It works or it doesn't. So um, I would suggest that you start looking into tracking your numbers, especially that contact rate, but tracking your numbers overall and questioning the people that you're giving money to. A lot of times it's just set and forget type stuff. And, um, you know, you guys deserve better than that. And, you know, there's a lot of, I would say everybody's special. Like Pete, you're special. I'm special. And I'm not going to give up. But when it comes to guys like me in marketing, I mean, I've learned from a guy and that's where I met Scott. There's thousands of people that are learning this skill set, um, whether they're better than me or not as good as I am. Um, that doesn't matter. I just happen to be the one guy that's probably in this industry that understands marketing the way I do. So um, if you do have questions, like you said, hit Pete up um, and feel free to ask. Um, it doesn't cost anything. And I definitely appreciate you, Pete, for having this platform, for allowing me to come on this platform and just meeting you and just get to hear some of your value expertise. Because you were spending some game there. And I was like, man, <laughs> and I think, no. And I mean, I think some of them were, but I think it's just a tough route because even when I did my presentation, guys came afterwards and they were all hyped. And I'm like, where was that energy in the room? And it was like, yeah, just the crowd. And I'm like, no, I need people getting hyped in the room. So, but yeah, but, um, those are my closing remarks. Get a CRM that has automation and question the people who you're paying money to right now, because if they're not making any changes, then you could just do it. Well, I tell you guys, RTO Nation right now, if you don't want the cookie-cutter approach, make sure that you hit up Gerard. If you want to email him directly about some marketing questions and not something that you want to hear on the show, you can also email Gerard at J-E-R-A-U-D, Gerard at GerardMarketing.com, and you can hit him up and say, hey, I heard you on the RTO show, and I'd like to see what a not having a cookie-cutter approach is and what you can do for me. Because I think right now, if anything we've learned, is that we share what we know on RTO and make it last. So for anybody out there, we do appreciate it. Hit us up, and we do appreciate you listening. We want to tell you, as always, keep your collections low, get your sales high. Yes, sir. Have a good one. As always, the RTO Show is proud to be sponsored by the Association of Progressive Rental Organizations. April is consistently participating, educating, and watching candidly over the rental industry and has been doing so since 1980. Keep track of the current and future events, meetings, and legislative gatherings by going to the website at rtohq.org. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the RTOHQ magazine and newsletter. Also, if you're not a member of April, find out how to become one online at rtohq.org.